الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المستفى صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم أما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى الله نور السماوات والأرض صدق الله العظيم Respected elders Respected brothers And all those who are listening at home 
the verse which I've just recited, Allahu nurus samawati wal ard. Let us ponder over this for a few moments. This is one very popular verse of the Holy Quran. And the meanings and the explanation, the commentary which is contained within this verse, it's very encompassing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah is the nur of the samawat and the ard. The samawat, the heavens, sometimes referred to as skies, and the earth. Allah is the nur. There are a number of meanings given on the exact meaning of this verse or this portion of the verse. However, throughout the whole verse, I will only take what is normally popularly mentioned. Some of the Mufassirin, some of the exegetes of the Quran have been led to say that it means Allahu Munawwirus Samawati Wal Ard. Allah is the illuminator of the heavens and the earth. And let us face the reality. Let's look around us. Without light, we wouldn't be able to do much. Whether it be the natural light that comes from the sun 93 million miles away, or whether it comes from the artificial lightings that we have, they'll come on as soon as Maghrib time comes in. All of this light is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not only in this world, but in the heavens as well. For the angels and the inhabitants of the heavens, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has created the nur, who has created the light and who provides the light day in and day out. Without this light, we wouldn't be able to see. We wouldn't be able to function. We wouldn't be able to tell the difference between as simple things as different colors. This nur of Allah, we have taken it for granted. But this nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what is being provided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everybody. Now this is a nur which is encompassing of all the inhabitants of the heavens, the angels, and also the inhabitants of the world, the human beings. And not only the human beings, but all the animals. And not only just Muslims, but non-Muslims as well. Whether a person is a disbeliever of Allah, whether a person is a rejecter in the faith of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is providing them light. But we as Muslims need to go beyond this light. And this is not the only light that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. This is no special light for the Muslims. This is a light which is encompassing of all, which is provided for all. Whether the person disbelieves in Allah or not, there is another light. There is a special light which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to those who make place of it in their hearts. And this is what we will be speaking about today. And I want everybody to keep focused on the speech, on the lecture, because it is a bit complicated. And we want to go away today with something. From every lecture we need to sit and we need to find points which we could take home with us and then implement into our lives. This is what will change this ummah. This is what will change the stagnance that people may observe in the state of the ummah today. 
Because mashallah, many pearls of wisdom are being spread around by every speaker. They are speaking to us about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said and about what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. These are not the words of just anybody. This is of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, we will speak about this special light now. If everybody is with us, we'll speak about this special light. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, A'udhu billahi min shaytanir rajeem. Allahu nurus samawati wal ard. Mathalu nurihi kamishkatin fiha misbah. Al misbahu fi zujaja. Al zujaja tu ka'annaha kawkabu durriyun yuqadu min shajaratin mubaraka. Min shajaratin mubarakatin zaytuna Zaytuna tilla sharqiyatin wala gharbiyatin Yakadu zaytuha yudhi' Yakadu zaytuha yudhi' Walau lam tamsas hunar Noorun ala noor Yahdillahu li noorihi man yashak Wayadribullahu al-amthala linnas one of the most beautiful verses in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He is the nur or He is the provider of nur for the heavens and the earth. Then He gives an example of His special nur. And let us understand this example. In the days before we had these artificial lightings, these fluorescent tubes and other form of lighting we have today they would use oil lamps and these oil lamps they would place them in such a way in the room to benefit with the light of this lamp that it would shine its light in every corner of this room Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives an example of this light and says that an example or parable of his nur is like a mishkat a mishkat is a niche a small recess or a hole in the wall a small container on the wall and within that container within that niche there is a lamp an oil lamp now this oil lamp is within a glass and this glass al misbahu fi zujaja az zujajatu ka'annaha kawkabun durri and this is not any ordinary glass, it's a glass which is like a twinkling star, a brilliant star. It's like crystal, it's so clear. By this lamp being inside this glass and then in a niche, this increases the light to derive the most benefit from this lamp. And not only that, thereafter the oil which is being used in this lamp is of no ordinary quality but it is the oil of olives. And what kind of olives? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that it is la sharqiyya wa la gharbiyya. It is not the oil of such an olive tree which was nurtured on the side of a mountain in the east or the west. But no, it was right in the middle where the sun would be able to shine on it day in and day out. And it would be nurtured and it would grow to its perfection. So the olive oil which is being used in this lamp is a perfect oil of the highest quality. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't stop there, but He says that not only is this oil of the purest quality, that the olive oil it has a special quality that it sparkles. 
when you see pure olive oil, it sparkles. It is as though it is close to catching fire, even though a flame hasn't touched it. So it is really bright. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to show that His nur is the brightest of all. So it's in a recess, it's in a niche, it's held within a glass, it's an olive lamp, and the olive oil which is being used in there is from the utmost quality. It is so shiny that without even a flame touching it, it is about to light up and it seems as though it is illuminated. So imagine when a match or a light is touched onto that olive oil, then imagine the intensity of that light that comes. Noorun ala noor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says noor upon noor, light upon light. All of these different things brought together to make the most intense light. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives guidance towards this nur of who He wills. You see, this is where we have to ponder. This light which is surrounding us, which we all benefit from, except of course those people who, who have the brightness of their eyes taken away and they are considered blind. This light we all benefit from. So what is this light which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says that Allah gives this light to whoever He wishes. This is speaking about a special light which penetrates the hearts. And this is something which could be achieved by all. But, mashaAllah, we are in the midst of people who have this light in their heart. And this is the main aspect of this talk. The actual title of this talk was just not the nur of Allah, but it is the nur of Allah and the dark deeds of kufr. Because after this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala later on has another verse in which he talks about the dark deeds of kufr. Now we as Muslims, and then Muslims who have gathered here from among the thousands or the millions in this country, we have come here to take part in something. We have come here to benefit ourselves, to go back and then maybe share some of this benefit with our families. Isn't this what all of us want to do? Isn't this what all of us want to do? We have come here for the sake of deriving benefit. Now inshallah with the pious who are present amongst us, the pious and the righteous, those who are among the sulaha, the saliheen, we are benefiting from just their presence. My teachers from the Darul Uloom, Al-Arabiya Al-Islamiyya in Bari, mashallah, we have benefited from them during our years of study and now their benefits have become spread all over England and into other countries as well. And this is the nur which has been given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to certain people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says that Allah is knowledgeable of everything. He knows exactly who to give his nur to and who not to give his nur to. Now how are we going to achieve this nur? Everybody must have heard a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in which the Prophet ﷺ said that whenever a person commits a sin, it brings a black dot upon the heart. Now imagine that us sitting here, we range between the ages of maybe 7 to maybe 70. Imagine the amounts of sin that we have committed and how many dots have appeared on our heart and how much it has covered of our heart and maybe into a second coating. Now, those who have kept a place in their heart and who have not coated their whole heart with the sins and vices that are so easy to commit nowadays, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nur finds its way, the special nur finds its way into these hearts.
And if we do not allow it to come into our heart, now listen carefully, if we don't allow this nur to come into our heart by not making space, how do we make space in our heart if we've committed so many sins? It is by istighfar, by repenting, by seeking forgiveness, by making tawbah and crying in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by a constant repetition of dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remembering Allah subhanallah, alhamdulillah, glorifying Him, praising Him. This is the way we can make space in our heart. And each one of us must bear it in his mind that we go back from this conference with great space made in our heart that we then become the recipients of the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the benefit of this nur? The benefit of this nur is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the example of his light about the niche and about the lamp and about the glass. Let us take this example in a form of a human being. Those people who are pious, who have remained on the natural self, who have remained on the natural disposition Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them with the fitrah. And they did not adulterate their heart. They did not contaminate their heart. Then these are the people, we have them amongst us. We have them in every locality. We have them amongst us. This is what they are. They have been the recipients of the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The nur has found its way into their hearts. So for them, they have firasah now. We've heard the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he says, اِتَّقُوا فِرَاسَةَ الْمُؤْمِنِ فَإِنَّهُ يَنْظُرُ بِنُورِ Ittaqu, ittaqu means beware, fear, fear the firasa of a mu'min, fear the deep insight, the penetrating insight of a true believer of a mu'min, a mu'min in the true sense, because he sees, beware of his firasa, because he sees with the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the nur acts as a guiding light for this person. When we look at something, when there is an issue that takes place, you know, how do we put this into application? If we want to start a business, if there is someone who wants to marry another person, there is a big decision we need to take in our life. What do we do? We try to find out everything about what is related to the activity we want to undertake. Then, what many of us do is that we go to our ulama, we go to the scholars, we go to the pious people and say, this is my idea, what do you think? Why do we go to these people? Because they have a deeper insight. Our insight is sometimes superficial. Our insight, if we can even call it an insight, it's actually just a sight, a vision, an observation. If we look at something and it's an issue that we want to take part, it's someone we want to marry, it's an issue of business, we only see the outside, the facade. We only see the outer look. We do not have access to the inner unless we do a lot of ishtihad, unless we do a lot of striving to gain that. But we go to the ulama. For the ulama, they gain this understanding and insight because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fills their heart with nur. So not only are their eyes seeing anymore, but it is their hearts which are seeing as well. There is one thing is called the basar and one thing is called the basira. Basar is when you see with our eyes, like everybody amongst us does except those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken their sight away. And then there are those amongst us, the few amongst us, the great ulama, inshallah, whose tawajju we have towards us, their hearts, are purified, their hearts have place for this nur. So they have basira, which means an inner understanding, they're able to comprehend things. There are many times when we've been to our scholars and they've told us, don't do this. But we've taken it in our mind to go and do what they told us not to do. And it works out that it was to our detriment and not to our benefit. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides the way for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shines the way for them. Because He has made them man yasha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives His nur to those who He wishes the special nur. We need to go beyond this artificial nur. We need to get in touch with our ulama, our sulaha, our zahideen, our pious people, those who have love for the hereafter more than their love for the world. And these are the people we need to benefit with. And mashallah, we have quite a few in England. The ulama, the salihin, the pious and the righteous amongst us, they make a big difference. Even their wujud, even just their existence amongst us, their presence amongst us makes a big difference even if we don't know it and even if we don't realize it. This gathering here, look around us. How many people do we say this is? 2,000? Where does this barakah come from? This barakah comes from our pious people that have strove so hard over the years. And now the light is just shining. This is the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which we can all gain as long as we make a place for it in our hearts. But what is the problem today? What is it that hinders us? What is it that inhibits us, that creates an obstacle in our path, in our way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran indirectly. And what it is, we are trying to assimilate into the society beyond any reasonable amount. And we feel that these flashing lights, we feel that these artificial lights, we feel that these artificial attractions, these lights that go around in discos and things, people think that this is where the beauty lies. This is the reality. This is fake. This is artificial. This is superficial. There's no reality in this. The nur is only with Allah. Look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. I'll mention the verse about the masjid later on. But first I'd like to mention what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the actions of kufr, the deeds of kufr. What we sometimes so much like to follow. The different traits and fashions that come out. The different activities that are done by non-Muslims in which are sometimes haram and many times are of doubtful nature which we need to avoid anyway. They are from the mushtabahat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَسَرَابٍ بِقِيعَةٍ يَحْسَبُهُ الظَّمْآنُ مَاءً حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَهُ لَمْ يَجِدْهُ شَيْئًا وَوَجَدَ اللَّهَ عِنْدَهُ فَوَفَّاهُ حِسَابَهُ وَاللَّهُ سَرِيعُ الْحِسَابِ The first example, he gives two examples. The first example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those who disbelieve the kafirin, أَعْمَالُهُمْ their أَعْمَالُ their deeds, their practices are just like a mirage. Kasarab, a mirage. Those who've been to Africa know what a mirage is. When a thirsty person is traveling in the desert, and I've seen this myself, when you're traveling in the desert, in front of you, you will see what seems like water. Either a whole lake of water, or it will be a small pool of water. As you draw close, it will disappear. This is a mirage. Ibn Kathir mentions it happens normally after midday. This is a mirage. No reality. You think it's there, but it's not there. So the actions of the kuffar, even though they strive hard, their endeavors are so serious. But when they get to there, it is basically like a mirage. A thirsty person thinks of it as water. Until when he comes close, he doesn't find anything. What does he find there? He finds Allah there. And Allah takes his hisab in the most perfect of ways. Allah takes his account in the most perfect of ways. These are those of the kuffar who think they are doing right. These are those who think they are doing right. 
Once a Muslim scholar met up with a priest and the priest explained his religion and everything to him and this Muslim scholar started crying. Priest got happy that I've affected him. He said, why do you weep? He said, subhanAllah, look at your zeal for your knowledge. I look at your sincerity in your religion and your deep insight according to you, what you have in your religion. But subhanAllah, this is all batil. This is like the mirage. This is like that sarab which you're going to find as nothing in the hereafter and Allah will take your hisab. If only your activities and all your endeavors were for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the correct way. You see, ikhlas is not sufficient. Qadi Fudail ibn Ayyad mentions that there must be two things. One is sawab and one is khalas. Khalas, ikhlas means sincerity. And the other thing is it must be true, it must be correct, it must hold a valid position in the eyes of the sharia. It can't be something which is wrong and people just want to do it but they have ikhlas in what they do. It has to have both of these. The second example Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives of the kuffar are of those who are not so knowledgeable, who are just following anyway. Anything that seems glamorous and unfortunately, many Muslims are coming into this. In this country, it's a bit slow. But in America, there are people who are turning away from Islam. I have personally spoke to two people. Where they begin to say that I believe in Allah, there must be a God, but He is stagnant. Allah is dormant. Allah doesn't do anything, otherwise what is happening in the world, Allah isn't doing anything. A Muslim, born a Muslim. And his father was very pious. So his question to Allah is, if my father was so pious and he passed away and now his whole family becomes wasted, where his sister gets married to a non-Muslim who calls himself a Muslim but he reckons he's not. This is happening to the Muslims. And we, everybody sitting here, some of us are from the first generation of Muslims that came to this country, but many of them are from the second generation that were born and bred in this country. And mashallah, things are happening. Just by all of you coming here, this proves that we have faith. This proves that we have iman in our heart. The Prophet ﷺ said, anybody that comes into the masjid, that prays in the masjid, that makes his namaz and salat in the masjid, then bear witness that he is a mu'min, that he is a believer. We have done more than that. We have come to learn and to take from this nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second example that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives is of those kuffar who have nothing, who have no basis of why they do whatever they do. They just do it based on whatever attracts them most. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives their example. A person at sea, in a boat. Just imagine you're in the middle of the ocean. Visualize the scene in front of us. One wave comes upon them. Another wave comes upon the first wave. And that is not enough. The darkness is so intense that above the second wave, there is a dark cloud, the one that brings the rain. The really dark cloud. So there is a wave on this person at sea. Upon that is another wave. And upon that is a dark cloud. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if he extends his hand to look at it, which is probably the only part of your body which you'd be able to see in that kind of situation. Your feet are too far away. You're not able to see your face unless you have a mirror in front of you. The hand is probably the only thing that could be seen. Even when this person draws up his hand to take a glance at his hand, Lam He can just about make it out or he probably can't even see that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives his nur to whoever he wishes. So when we look around us and our friends, our so-called friends at school, 
that want to do the different things and that want to act in this way which seems so attractive to us, let us remember that their actions are based on kufr. Their actions are based on the examples that we have just given. Either they are like at sea where it is total darkness and they don't even know what's going on. It is such an intense moment. It is such a serious moment that they can't see anything. Imagine the tumult a person would feel in that situation. We don't want that to happen to us in the hereafter. We want to be ranked among those who will be with the Nabiyeen, the Siddiqeen, the Shuhada and the Salihin. And this is a dua we need to make. Dua is what will help. But the first thing we need to do is the istighfar. And then when we go from here, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't leave us in the cold. He doesn't just tell us about the nur and then the bad actions and the dark deeds of kufr. But He tells us in between that where this nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be found. He says, فِي بُيُوتٍ أَذِنَ اللَّهُ أَن تُرْفَعَ وَيُذْكَرَ فِي هَسْمُهُ يُسَبِّحُ لَهُ فِيهَا بِالْغُدُوِّ وَالْآصَالِ رِجَالِ in such houses, in such places, in such locations. This could mean any masjid or any place where dhikr takes place of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes place. In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's remembrance is made. Yusabbihu, in which people glorify Allah in the morning and in the evening, at the time of Fajr and at the time of Asr. Rijalun, who? Rijalun la tulhihim tijaratun wala bayt. عن ذكر الله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة يخافون يوما تتقلب فيه القلوب والأبصار. Now, when I mention this, you're going to think those young people who are sitting here are going to think, well, I've got a few years to go yet. I'm still studying. I don't have to worry about business right now. But remember, in a few years, you will be involved in something, in some activity, to bring provisions to your home. It will be business or it will be working for someone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those who glorify Allah are those. Rijalun la tulhihim. Those people who are not made neglectful by their tijara, by their trading, by their business. It does not make them discard their prayer, their salat, wa is zakah, and their giving in charity. They fear, يَخَافُونَ يَوْمًا They fear a day in which the eyes and the hearts will be overturned the day of judgment. They have this constant fear of the day of judgment in their mind. They have paradise within view. This is where we are going. The problem with many of us is that we only look until our death. We need to extend our vision and our vision should go beyond our death because our death can come anytime. It is not something which is in our control. So our vision should be extended beyond our death to paradise and not to hell. It should not be vague. Many of our visions are vague. We're not sure. We've never put it into perspective. We've never really sat down and thought, okay, that's paradise, that's hell, this is where I'm going, and this is how I'm going to get there. Because you have to remember, paradise is an uphill climb. Imam Ghazali mentions in his Minhajul Abidin, paradise is uphill. Hell is downhill. One sin you do and you'll roll down into hell. But paradise, it's a slow climb. But that's why the fruits are so beautiful. That's why the fruits of paradise are so sweet. So when we go from here, not only do we make istighfar and tawbah, but we go to the masajid, we frequent the masajid as much as possible. This is what bears witness to our iman and our faith. Because in other places, there's too much distraction. TV has come into every single home. 
So it's there whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, another family member has it. So try to frequent the masajid. Try to remain close to the scholars and the ulama in your area. Try to call the great salihin and our great scholars and our great pious people to come and to give us some of the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show us the way. When we need to make a decision, it needs to be made according to pure knowledge, sound knowledge, and it needs to be made on pure insight. It should not be made without any deep thought. Otherwise, we will get ourselves into trouble. So what do we do? We keep ourselves always in focus of paradise, of Jannah, and not of Jahannam. We don't, nobody wants to go to Jahannam. If I ask anybody here, who wants to go to hell? Nobody wants to go to hell. But how many of us sitting here have actually sat down and thought, that is paradise. It's going to be the right-hand side. The people of paradise will be taken, Ashabul Yameen, they'll be taken to the right. This is where I want to go. And my actions, every action of mine, must have the conditions that are needed to be able to qualify for paradise. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to clear our hearts, to make space in our hearts, that His nur can come into our hearts. And with that nur, we will gain deeper insight. We will make less mistakes. The knowledge that we gain after that will be nurun ala nur. The nur coupled with knowledge, there is nothing that can beat that in this world. When the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has entered into the hearts of someone, along with the dini knowledge, along with religious knowledge, there is nothing that can stand in that person's way. That person is guided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Each one of us must have heard the hadith that you go close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You make the fara'id, you fulfill the obligations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will become the hand with which you will hold things. He will become your eyes which you will see things. He will become your feet by which you will go towards things. And this is what everyone wants, everybody strives for. And this is something we all cherish. Because each one of us wants to be with the tawfiq of Allah. What does this word tawfiq mean? The word tawfiq, we hear it all the time. What does it mean? It means, For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our actions in accordance to what He loves and what He is pleased with. Not with what He is displeased with. Because whatever we do, Allah gives us the power to do it, whether it be good or evil. But He is not pleased with a lot of things that we do if we do them wrong. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the divine guidance, the tawfiq. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to purify our hearts and to remain as close to the ulama as possible and ourselves become the recipient of the nur, the special nur from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.